Amen. Uh, Father, we just thank you for this day. God, thank you. Thanks for, for tuning in to the Revival Tabernacle Podcast. Bless our Wherever you may be listening from, we hope that this message encourages you in the unwavering, unconditional love of Jesus Christ. Join us as we reach sinners, raise believers, and release leaders. Please enjoy the message from the RT Pulpit. Well, welcome, RT. Welcome this morning. And also to those that may be watching us via uh, our live webcast or Facebook, we'd like to welcome you today. Um, just kind of a little of a flight plan. I'll be, uh, at the conclusion of my message today, I'll actually be handing it right back off uh, to Pastor Devin. Uh, my wife and I, we have the awesome opportunity. Our niece is actually walking across the stage this morning from our old stumping ground, Eastern Michigan University. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm not being weird or nothing. We just got to head back out of there because we got a, a little bit of time to get there. But then also, Shantanique is walking today as well. Uh-huh. Walking today as well. Man, that is awesome. That is awesome. And man, a, a, a surprise for me today was uh, my good bro, Dwayne Mitchell, is in the house. Dwayne Mitchell. Man, good to see you, brother. Then my mom's here. Then I definitely got to give it up. You know, I, I usually don't have a lot of opportunities to do this because I really don't like being up in front of people anyway. So, but I would like to publicly give a big shout out to my real life superwoman, Lisa Horrell. I tell you, man, like she's truly, truly a superwoman. I mean, y'all see her, you know, singing on Sundays or preaching, you know, but beyond that, I see the early hours up in the morning or the late hours up at night, plus working a job and everything she does. And I just want to say publicly that I love you. Amen. So let's dig in a little bit. So we've kind of been on this tracking. It's kind of like a series in between a series. So in between Pastor Devin's series, once he comes to the conclusion of his, um, the preaching and teaching team here, we're kind of on our own tracking. I'm talking about the parables of Jesus, the parables of Jesus. And uh, Pastor Shiana just did an incredible job um, a few weeks ago. And she kicked off with the parable of the barren fig, of the barren fig tree. And so, um, you know, we never wanted to assume, want to assume that everybody knows. So, you know, I just kind of tagged with her and just defining, you know, parables basically as a way, a way Jesus used earthly uh, examples or comparisons to communicate or get his point across. So today... We're going to take a look at the parable of the lost coin. All right. Now, this parable can sometimes be overlooked, one, because of its simplicity. It's very simple. But then also because it sits in between uh, two of the more familiar parables, uh, the parable of the lost sheep and then the prodigal son. It's kind of like the middle child, so to speak. You know, you know, you got the oldest that gets all that attention. And then, lo and behold, them baby boys and baby girls, they just get all the attention. You know, but then you got the, 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 the middle child that, you know, middle children, whoever you are. I'm an oldest, so I ain't got to worry about it. So, so we got to kind of set, set the backdrop a little bit. And we have to understand that where we're going to be at in our text, it is a continuation of Jesus' response to the Pharisees and teachers of the law 
as they were basically talking under their breath, as they usually do, um, saying that this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Now, it's also important to note that these Pharisees and teachers of the law, these are the religious people of that day or the church folk, so to speak, that Jesus is responding to. Now, though this is a very simple text, I believe there are a few key factors for us to consider as we have an important responsibility to be concerned about the lost just as God is. Now, the best thing I can do this morning with the help of the Holy Spirit is try to reiterate or attempt to just kind of drive home the point that Jesus is making here because I can't out-preach or teach Jesus. So, our text today is Luke chapter 15, verses 8 through 10. Luke chapter 15, verses 8 through 10. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And then she has found it. She calls her friends and neighbors together saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I lost. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. So there's uh, an entire group of people out there that absolutely hates pennies, viewing them as a waste. It's a true thing. In fact, there's a growing movement to dispose of the penny altogether. A group called Citizens Against Public Waste says that suspending production of the penny would save American taxpayers $1 billion over the next 10 years, simply because it costs the government way more than a penny than to make a penny. Some critics even point to the amount of time it takes to fiddle in your pocket for pennies, saying that it increases commerce transaction inefficiency. The National Association of Convenience Stores did a study showing that pennies extended transactions by two to two and a half seconds. You lose an hour or two per year dealing with pennies that you would happily leave in jars or under the cushion of your sofa. Here's an interesting thing. The U.S. government reported in 2016 that an estimated $62 million in the pennies are lost every year in circulation. Now, I don't know about you, but I know a couple things I can do with $62 million, you know. But now, while, while that statistic you know, might not have a great interest to you or really mean anything at the moment, what if it read something totally different? What if it was to read an estimated 62 million people are lost every year in circulation? Though we don't have exact numbers or stats on those that are lost and away from God, church, we have an important responsibility to be just as concerned about the lost just as God is. God is concerned about the lost, and so should we. So what should we consider as believers as it, as it pertains to being concerned about the lost? There are a few key factors here for us to consider this morning, as we have an important responsibility to be concerned about the lost just as God is. All right, we're going to dig in for a little bit. First, we have to have determination. Verse 8 says, or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, 
and search carefully until she finds it. Our determination of seeking the lost has to be motivated by understanding that there is still value in the lost. The text referenced that it was a silver coin that was lost, not just any old coin. So this helps us to understand that there's a special value on this coin. Just because the silver coin was lost, it didn't take away from the value of the silver coin. And knowing this, it motivated the woman to be intentional and diligent in her search for the silver coin. Now, we should have this same determination in seeking the lost. Just about every day, we may see some change on the ground that has been passed up, been trampled on, or overlooked. Especially if it doesn't have that shiny appearance that it once had. It's now looking dirty, dingy, and unappealing. The first priority of our mission here at Revival Tabernacle is to reach sinners. There are people we see on a daily basis who have been passed up, trampled on, and overlooked. They may not have an appealing look to us, but in the eyes of our loving Father, they still have value, and we have to understand that if they are valuable to God, they should be valuable to us. And even though we may miss or not see the value in others, God still sees the value. We can't be selective on who we want to reach. I knew it was going to be quiet in here today, you know. You know, this is why I usually don't ask for amens because I ain't going to get, you know, uh, upset if I don't get them, you know. If they are lost, they deserved to be found. This salvation is for anyone who is willing to receive it. It doesn't matter what we think. It doesn't matter our own perception. It only matters what God thinks. Second Peter 3, 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us. Here it is, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And also, the, 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 the lost coin wasn't going to find itself. This woman did every or whatever was necessary to accomplish the task of finding this coin. She used the necessary resources she needed to get it done. So now the houses um, back in that day, they had very, very small windows, which would only allow for a little light to come in. So what did she do? Because she understood the value of this coin, she lit a lamp. Sometimes the lost might be in a dark place, but all they need is your light to shine. Sometimes the lost might be in a place covered by dirt of despair, but all they need is your light to shine. Sometimes the lost may be in a place covered by clouds of criticism and condemnation, but all they need is your light to shine. She swept and searched diligently until she found it. Now, when we lose something that's of value to us, we'll do whatever's necessary to find it, right? For many of us, it's, it's, our, it's our cell phone, a.k.a. our lifeline. Let me tell you something. We will put an entire world on hold if that cell phone comes up missing. We'll search high and low until we find it. Why? Because of the value and importance it is to, to us. And let me say this, uh, that those that are less deaths, they are valuable to God. The value that God sees, though, is not like the way we see the value in actual money. There isn't a difference in the value. It doesn't matter their political status. doesn't matter their social status. It doesn't matter the economic status. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. 
If the lost is valuable and important to God, they should be just as valuable and important to us. In the same manner, we should be just as deliberate about those who are lost and don't have a real relationship with Jesus Christ. It is our responsibility to be concerned about the lost as God is. And we have to be determined about seeking the lost. And while we have determination, we also must consider the location. As I stated earlier, this parable sits uh, in the middle of the two more familiar parables. Um, You have the parable of the lost sheep and the parable of the prodigal son. And so here's what I found a little interesting. In the parable of the lost sheep, the shepherd goes out to find the lost sheep, right? In the parable of the prodigal son, the son is also lost outside the house. But with the coin, the coin is actually lost in the house. Or what woman having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it. Let me submit to you today that as often as churches across this world gather on a weekly basis, there still may be some who sit in those same churches who are lost and needing to be found. Now to be lost outside is one thing, but to be lost right inside the house is a different experience altogether. Just, just think about it, money that was, that was in the house but is lost. It's, it's not usable. It's not able to contribute to the family needs. The same can be said about those that are lost right in the house. They can feel helpless, unable to fulfill purpose. They can feel passed by, not seen or cared for. This is a great danger that happens when we as a church are not being diligent about connecting with anyone who comes through those doors and sits in these seats. So what? They don't look like us. So what? They don't dress like us. So what? They don't talk or speak like us. We have to be done with making church comfortable for us and focus our attention more on the lost and the broken. I grew up in church, so I'm talking to myself. We can have all the prayer meetings, the services, conferences, retreats, seminars, convocations we want. And understand, I'm not saying that anything is wrong with any of that. But at the end of the day, if nobody is coming to give their heart to the Lord or coming to say those seven famous words of what must I do to be saved, then what are we doing? Pastor Lisa and I, just a few weeks ago, uh, she had to sing, and I had to uh, play at the service, and we're driving through a neighborhood, and uh, she just uh, mentioned, you know, how blighted the neighborhood is, and as she's mentioning that, I'm sitting there literally counting four to five churches within a two-block radius, and I'm saying to myself, how is this possible? How can this be like this? with so many churches in this neighborhood. And please understand, I I know that is not entirely the church's fault, but if we are not truly and genuinely making efforts to reach even the lost right in our own neighborhood and communities around us, I would then have to begin to hold us accountable. I'm going to park for a second. Anywhere Jesus is present, there is a life-changing atmosphere. 
Anywhere Jesus is present, there can be restoration. Anywhere Jesus is present, there can be healing. Anywhere Jesus is present, there can be deliverance. Anywhere Jesus is present, there can be chains broken. Anywhere Jesus is present, the captive can be set free. But we have a tendency to keep the Jesus experience contained in these four walls. We have church functions for church people. And a lot of times the focus can solely be on us church people. But Jesus said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And if we're truly honest with ourselves, a lot of times we as Christians, we can worry that sinners don't change fast enough. How soon we forget our process. Or that association with sinners will give us a bad reputation or be a bad influence on us. Now, the necessity of separating from sin is reality. But so is the necessity of being involved in seeking the lost. Jesus neither condoned sin, left people in their sin, nor communicated any disdain for sinners. He mirrored the image of his father and invited them to receive God's forgiveness and participation in God's kingdom. The initiating grace and acceptance of God displayed by Jesus must be evident in all that we do. And here's another thing. If there's no true connection within the church body, we will have those that slip and fall through the cracks. This is one reason why we push life groups, which actually kicks off this week. They go to plug. This is a tool that helps keeps us connected as a church body. And you might get here tired of hearing us say it, but we can't do this life alone. During that pivotal moment in Pastor Lisa and I's life, when we lost our son, we had just this overwhelming support from our life group, whether it was visits, text messages, cards, food, whatever. It helped us to navigate through that very difficult moment in our life. And we can have people who end up lost, sitting right in this house because of no connection. We have to be intentional about connecting with those that are in the house because we may never know the state of their salvation. Just like those coins that can easily get lost up under the cushion of a couch, so can those that don't connect with the ones that sit right here every week on a weekly basis. It is our responsibility to be concerned about the loss just as God is. And we have to be determined about seeking the loss. And while we have to have determination, we also must consider the location, whether it's outside or whether it's inside. And once we've considered that location and the lost is found, guess what? There should be celebration. There should be celebration. Verse 9 says, and when she has found it, she calls her friends and neighbors together saying, rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I lost. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who, repeat, who repents. There should be rejoicing when the lost is found. I mean, just first think about it, you know, when you have that item of value that you lost, you know, just the feelings that you have when it's lost. It's the feelings of nervousness, the feelings of anxiety, worry, even stress. Ah, but when you find that item, 
there's joy, there's excitement because you found that great item of value. There is a relief and an excitement that happens. Why? Because what was once lost now is found. My brothers and sisters, this should be our continued response when a sinner comes to Christ. There should be a great celebration that rises up. And I know we have those that have the internal response of celebration. But what about we need those that have that external response of celebration, whether it is the clapping of your hands or the shouting of your lips. There should be a great rejoicing as another sinner comes to Christ. It is our responsibility to be concerned about the lost as God is. And we have to be determined about seeking the lost. While we have determination, we must also consider the location. Going outside or whether they're lost right here in the house. Making sure we have a connection to know what's going on with those that are around us. Once we've considered the location, once the lost is found, there should be a grand celebration. A grand celebration. Now, here, 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 here's the whole deal. Here's the main big idea, so to speak. Ultimately, God is truly the diligent searcher. The one who takes initiative to recover what is his. He gives no grudging or hesitant acceptance of sinners, but eagerly seeks them and finds cause to celebrate at their recovery. The kingdom comes with limited grace, even for those that others belittle. Now, if this is the character of God, we need to be diligent in ensuring this is our character as well. God is concerned about the lost, and so should we. I end with this quote here by Charles Spurgeon. It says this, I would sooner bring one sinner to Jesus Christ than unravel all the mysteries of the divine word. For salvation is the one thing we are to live for. for tuning in to the Revival Tabernacle podcast. Wherever you may be listening from, we hope that this message encourages you in the unwavering, unconditional love of Jesus Christ. Join us as we reach sinners, raise believers, and release leaders. Please enjoy the message from the RT Pulpit.